Section 22 of The Wallet of Kai Lung by Ernest Brahma. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 The Experiment of the Mandarin Chan Hong, Part 2. This deliberate pronouncement affected the two persons in question in an entirely opposite manner, for one of them was little removed from a condition of incessant and most uninviting poverty, while the other was the very highly rewarded picture-maker Pei Tsing. Both to this latter person and to the other one, Li Tsing, the ultimate conclusion of the matter did not seem to be a question of any conjecture, therefore, and in consequence the one became most offensively self-confident, and the other leaden-minded to an equal degree, neither remembering the unswerving wisdom of the proverb, Wait! All men are but as the black horn-cased beetles which overrun the inferior cooking-rooms of the city, and even at this moment the heavily shod and unerring foot of Buddha may be lifted. Li Sing was, by profession, one of those who hunt and ensnare the brilliantly colored winged insects which are to be found in various parts of the empire in great variety and abundance, it being his duty to send a certain number every year to Peking to contribute to the amusement of the dignified emperor. In spite of the not-too-intelligent nature of the occupation, Li Sing took an honorable pride in all matters connected with it. He disdained, with well-expressed contempt, to avail himself of the stealthy and somewhat deceptive methods employed by others engaged in a similar manner of life. In this way he had, from necessity, acquired agility to an exceptional degree, so that he could leap far into the air, and while in that position, select from a passing band of insects any which he might desire. This useful accomplishment was, in a measure, the direct means of bringing together the person in question and the engaging Leela, for on a certain occasion when Li Sing was passing through the streets of Fao Hu, he heard a great outcry and beheld persons of all ranks running towards him, pointing at the same time in an upward direction. Turning his gaze in the manner indicated, Li beheld with every variety of astonishment a powerful an unnaturally large bird of prey, carrying in its talons the lovely and now insensible Leela, to whom it had been attracted by the magnificence of her raiment. The rapacious and evilly inspired creature was already above the highest dwelling houses when Lee first beheld it, and was plainly directing its course toward the inaccessible mountain crags beyond the city walls. Nevertheless, Lee resolved upon an inspired effort and without any hesitation bounded towards it with such well-directed proficiency that if he had not stretched forth his hand on passing, he would inevitably have been carried far above the desired object. In this manner he succeeded in dragging the repulsive and completely disconcerted monster to the ground, where its graceful and unassuming prisoner was released, and the presumptuous bird itself torn to pieces amid continuous shouts of a most respectful an engaging description in honor of Lee and of his versatile attainment. In consequence of this incident, the grateful Leela would often deliberately leave the society of the rich and well-endowed in order to accompany Lee on his journeys in pursuit of exceptionally precious winged insects. Regarding his unusual ability as the undoubted cause of her existence at the moment, she took an all-absorbing pride in such displays, and would utter loud and frequent exclamations of triumph when Lee leaped out from behind some rock where he had laid concealed, and with unfailing regularity secured the object of his adroit movement. 
In this manner, a state of feeling which was by no means favorable to the aspiring picture-maker Pei Tsing had long existed between the two persons. But when Li Sing put the matter in the form of an explicit petition before Chan Hung, to which adequate reference has already been made, the nature of the decision then arrived at seemed to clothe the realization of their virtuous and inestimable desires with an air of extreme improbability. "'Oh, Li!' exclaimed the greatly disappointed maiden, when her lover had explained to her the nature of the arrangement, for in her unassuming admiration of the noble qualities of Li, she had anticipated that Chan Hung would at once have received him with ceremonious embraces and assurances of his permanent affection. How unendurable a state of things is this in which we have become involved! Far removed from this one's anticipations was the thought of becoming inalienably associated with that outrageous person Pei Tsing, or of entering upon an existence which will necessitate a feigned admiration of his really unpresentable efforts. Yet in such a manner must the entire circumstance complete its course, unless some ingenious method of evading it can be discovered in the meantime. Alas, my beloved one, the occupation of ensnaring winged insects is indeed an alluring one, but as far as this person has observed, it is also exceedingly unproductive of tales. Could not some more expeditious means of enriching yourself be discovered? Frequently has the unnoticed, but nevertheless very attentive Leela heard her father and the round-bodied ones who visit him speak of exploits which seem to consist of assuming the shapes of certain wild animals, and in that guise appearing from time to time at the place of exchange within the city walls. As this form of entertainment is undoubtedly very remunerative in its results, could not the versatile and ready-witted Lee conceal himself within the skin of a bear or some other untamed beast, and in this garb join them unperceived, play an appointed part, and receive a just share of the reward? The result of such an enterprise might, if the matter chanced to take an unforeseen development, prove of a very doubtful nature, replied Lee Singh, to whom indeed the proposed venture appeared in a somewhat undignified light, although, with refined consideration, he withheld such a thought from Leela, who had proposed it for him, and also confessed that her usually immaculate father had taken part in such an exhibition. Nevertheless, do not permit the dark shadow of an inward cloud to reflect itself upon your almost invariably amiable countenance, for this person has become possessed of a valuable internal suggestion, which, although he has hitherto neglected, being content with a small but assured competency, would doubtless bring together a serviceable number of tales if rightly utilized. Greatly does this person fear that the valuable internal suggestion of Li Sing will weigh but lightly in the commercial balance against the very rapidly executed pictures of Pei Tsing. Said Leela, who had not fully recalled from her mind a disturbing emotion that Li would have been well advised to have availed himself of her ingenious and well-thought-out suggestion. But of what does the matter consist? It is best explained by a recital of the circumstances leading up to it, said Li. Upon an occasion when this person was passing through the streets of Fao Hu, there gathered around him a company of those who had, on previous occasions, beheld his exceptional powers of hurtling himself through the air in an upwards direction, praying that he would again delight their senses by a similar spectacle. 
not being unwilling to afford those estimable persons of the amusement they desired, this one, without any elaborate show of affected hesitancy, put himself into the necessary position, and would, without doubt, have risen uninterruptedly almost into the middle air, had he not, in making the preparatory movements, placed his left foot upon an overripe wampi which laid unperceived on the ground. In consequence of this really blameworthy want of caution, the entire manner and direction of this short-sighted individual's movements underwent a sudden and complete change, so that to those who stood around it appeared as though he were making a well-directed endeavor to penetrate the upper surface of the earth. This unexpected display had the effect of removing the gravity of even the most aged and severe-minded persons present, and for the space of some moments the behavior and positions of those who stood around were such that they were quite unable to render any assistance, greatly as they doubtless wished to do so. Being in this manner allowed a period for inward reflection of a very concentrated order, it arose within this one's mind that at every similar occurrence which he had witnessed, those who observed the event had been seized in a like fashion, being very excessively amused. The fact was made even more undoubted by the manner of behaving of an exceedingly stout and round-faced person, who had not been present from the beginning, but who was affected to a most incredible extent when the details, as they had occurred, were made plain to him. He declared with many references to the sacred dragon and the seven-walled temple at Peking, that he would willingly have contributed a specified number of tales, rather than have missed the diversion. When at length this person reached his own chamber, he diligently applied himself to the task of carrying into practical effect the suggestion which had arisen in his mind. By an arrangement of transparent glasses and reflecting surfaces, which, were it not for a well-defined natural modesty, he would certainly be tempted to describe as highly ingenious, he ultimately succeeded in bringing about the effect he desired. With these words, Lee put into Leela's hand an object which closely resembled the contrivances by which those who are not sufficiently powerful to obtain positions near the raised platform in the halls of celestial harmony are nevertheless enabled to observe the complexions and attire of all around them. Regulating it by means of a hidden spring, he requested her to follow closely the actions of a heavily burdened passer-by, who was at that moment some little distance beyond them. Scarcely had Leela raised the glass to her eyes, than she became irresistibly amused to a most infectious degree, greatly to the satisfaction of Lee, who therein beheld the realization of his hopes. Not for the briefest space of time would she permit the object to pass from her, but directed it at every person who came within her sight, with frequent and unfeigned exclamations of wonder and delight. "'How pleasant and fascinating a device is this!' exclaimed Leela at length. "'By what means is so diverting and gravity-removing a result obtained? Further than it is the concentration of much labor, of continually trying with glasses and reflecting surfaces, this person is totally unable to explain it,' replied Lee. "'The chief thing, however, is that at whatever moving object it is directed, no matter whether a person so observed is being carried in a chair, riding upon an animal, or merely walking. At a certain point, he has every appearance of being unexpectedly hurled to the ground in a most violent and mirth-provoking manner. Would not the stout and round-faced one, who would cheerfully have contributed a certain number of tales to see this person manifest a similar exhibition, 
unhesitatingly lay out that sum to secure the means of so gratifying his emotions whenever he felt the desire, even with the revered persons of the most dignified ones in the empire. Is there indeed a single person between the wall and the bitter waters on the south who is so devoid of ambition that he would miss the opportunity of subjecting, as it were, perhaps even the sacred emperor himself to the exceptional feat? The temptation to possess one would inevitably prove overwhelming to any person of ordinary intelligence, admitted Leela. Yet in spite of this one's unassumed admiration for the contrivance, internal doubts regarding the ultimate happiness of the two persons who are now discussing the matter again attack her. She recollects somewhat dimly an almost forgotten, but nevertheless very unassailable proverb, which declares that the more contentment of mind can assuredly be obtained from the unexpected discovery of a tale among the folds of a discarded garment than could, in the most favorable circumstances, ensue from the well-thought-out construction of a new and hitherto unknown device. Furthermore, although the span of a year may seem unaccountably protracted when persons who reciprocate engaging sentiments are parted, yet when the acceptance or refusal of Pei Tsing's undesirable pledging gifts hangs upon the accomplishment of a remote and not very probable object within that period, it becomes as a breath of wind passing through an autumn forest. Since the day when Leela and Lee had sat together side by side and conversed in this unrestrained and irreproachable manner, the great sky-lantern had many times been obscured for a period. Only an insignificant portion of the year remained, yet the affairs of Lee Singh were in no more prosperous a condition than before, nor had he found an opportunity to set aside any store of tales. Each day the unsupportable Peitsing became more and more obtrusive and self-conceited, even to the extent of throwing far into the air coins of insignificant value whenever he chanced to pass Lee in the street, at the same time urging him to leap after them and thereby secure at least one or two pieces of money against the day of calculating. In a similar but entirely opposite fashion, Leela and Lee experienced the acutest pangs of an ever-growing despair, until their only form of greeting consisted in gazing into each other's eyes with a soul-benumbing expression of self-reproach. Yet at this very time, when even the natural and unalterable powers seemed to be conspiring against the success of Lee's modest and inoffensive hopes, an event was taking place which was shortly to reverse the entire settled arrangement of persons and affairs, and involve Fao Hu in a very inextricable state of uncertainty for not to make a pretense of concealing a matter which has been already in part revealed, the Mandarin Chan Hung had by this time determined to act in the manner which Ming Hai had suggested, so that on a certain morning Li Sing was visited by two persons, bearing between them a very weighty sack of tails, who also conveyed to him the fact that a like amount would be deposited within his door at the end of each succeeding seven days. Although Li's occupation had in the past been very meagerly rewarded, either by tales or by honor, the circumstance which resulted in his now receiving so excessively large a sum is not made clear until the detail of Ming Hai's scheme is closely examined. The matter then becomes plain, for it had been suggested by that person that the most proficient in any occupation should be rewarded to a certain extent, and the least proficient to another stated extent the original amounts being reversed. 
when those engaged by Chan Hung to draw up the various rates came to the profession of ensnaring winged insects, however, they discovered that Li Sing was the only one of that description in Fao Hu, so that it became necessary in consequence to allot him a double portion, one amount as the most proficient, and a much larger amount as the least proficient. It is unnecessary now to follow the not altogether satisfactory condition of affairs which began to exist in Fao Hu as soon as the scheme was put into operation. The full written papers dealing with the matter are in the Hall of Public Reference at Peking, and can be seen by any person on the payment of a few tales to everyone connected with the establishment. Those who found their possessions reduced thereby completely overlooked the obvious justice of the arrangement, and immediately began to take most severe measures to have the order put aside, while those who suddenly and unexpectedly found themselves raised to positions of affluence tended to the same end by conducting themselves in a most incapable and undiscriminating manner. And during the entire period that this state of things existed in Fao Hu, the really contemptible Ming Hai continually followed Chan Hung about from place to place, spreading out his feet toward him and allowing himself to become openly amused to a most unseemly extent. Chief among those who sought to have the original manner of rewarding persons again established was the picture-maker Pei Tsing, who now found himself in a condition of most abject poverty, so unbearable indeed that he frequently went by night carrying a lantern in the hope that he might discover some of the small pieces of money which he had been accustomed to throw into the air on meeting Li Sing. To his pangs of hunger was added the fear that he would certainly lose Lila, so that from day to day he redoubled his efforts, and in the end, by using false statements and other artifices of a questionable nature, the party which he led was successful in obtaining the degradation of Chan Hung and his dismissal from office, together with an entire reversal of all his plans and enactments. On the last day of the year which Chan Hung had appointed as the period of test for his daughter's suitors, the person in question was seated in a chamber of his new abode, a residence of unassuming appearance, but undoubted comfort, surrounded by Leela and Li, when the hanging curtains were suddenly flung aside, and Pei Tsing, followed by two persons of low rank bearing sacks of money, appeared among them. Chen Hung, he said at length, in the past events arose which compelled this person to place himself against you in your official position. Nevertheless, he has always maintained toward you personally an unchanging affection, and understanding full well that you are one of those who maintain their spoken word in spite of all happenings, he has now come to exhibit the tales which he has collected together, and to claim the fulfillment of your deliberate promise. With these words, the commonplace picture-maker poured forth the contents of the sacks, and stood looking at Leela in a most confident and unprepossessing manner. Pei Tsing, replied Chen Hung, rising from his couch, and speaking in so severe and impressive a voice that the two servants of Pei Tsing at once fled in great apprehension, this person has also found it necessary, in his official position, to oppose you. But here the similarity ends, for on his part, he has never felt towards you the remotest degree of affection. Nevertheless, he is always desirous, as you say, that persons should regard their spoken word, and as you seem to hold a promise from the chief Mandarin of Fao Hu regarding marriage gifts towards his daughter, he would advise you to go at once to that person. A misunderstanding has evidently arisen, 
for the one whom you are addressing is merely Chan Hung, and the words spoken by the Mandarin have no sort of interest for him. Indeed, he understands that all that person's acts have been reversed, so that he fails to see how anyone at all can regard you and your claim in other than a gravity-removing light. Furthermore, the maiden in question is now definitely and irretrievably pledged to this faithful and successful one by my side, who, as you will doubtless be gracefully overjoyed to learn, has recently disposed of a most ingenious and diverting contrivance for an enormous number of tales, so many indeed that both the immediate and the far distant future of all the persons who are here before you are now in no sort of doubt whatever. At these words, the three persons whom he had interrupted again turned their attention to the matter before them. But as Pei Tsing walked away, he observed, though he failed to understand the meaning, that they all raised certain objects to their eyes, and at once became amused to a most striking and uncontrollable degree. End of section 22